Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode is one part of my hour-long NPR show heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, everything your dog wants you to know, as well as the Cat Bible, everything your cat expects you to know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the Foreman family-owned pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. I have a pleasure, which is to invite back an author who's been on the show with her book, Chasing Justice, a wonderful crime detection novel, a first-time novel, but so full of facts and information and veracity, I, I thought, how did she do this? Well, it turns out it's what she does. She handles detection dogs. It's her business. Kathleen Donnelly, welcome back. Chasing Justice is such a wonderful book, but Sherlock Hound's Detection Canines is a fascinating business that you run, and I just had to invite you back to talk to us about the idea that you have non-threatening dogs who are drug, alcohol, and gunpowder detection dogs that go into the schools in your part of Colorado to keep the school safe. I guess the lack of safety in schools is a terrifying reality in America today, isn't it? Yeah, uh, unfortunately it is. Um, and as we see just more and more issues, uh, the dogs are I believe needed more and more and I love how we do it though because it's a positive the kids love having the dogs there they feel safer with the dogs there and it's it's just a really fun business how did you morph into that I know that you and and your co-owner of Sherlock Hounds Beth Kelly met in middle school in Loveland Colorado but how did you decide you and she decide or she decide first that this should be a school-based detection canine business? Yeah, that's a great question. So Beth Kelly, my, my business partner, she is actually a retired teacher. And she and another teacher friend originally started the business back in 1999. And they saw just at that point more drugs and alcohol coming into the schools. They hadn't yet thought about training the dogs to find gunpowder. but. Right. Unfortunately, in 1999, Columbine happened, and that's when they decided, well, we can also help with that kind of uh, prevention. So they trained the dogs to find gunpowder as well. So they started the company originally, and they came at it from a really fun angle because being teachers, they had a different perspective and understood what schools needed. And uh, I was lucky enough to come on board in 2005 as a handler, and then I became part owner in 2010. 
It's really quite remarkable because we know from being in airports or public places that the usual explosive, not necessarily gunpowder, although I'm sure explosives, some of them include gunpowder, but explosive detection dogs, which is in part what your dogs are, are usually frightening looking, and they're meant to be. They're meant to be, at least on some level, intimidating. Get out of the way. This dog's doing its job. Do not pet. Do not interfere. Do not interrupt us in our very serious work. And that that's something that the handlers know, the dogs know, and the general public yep. basically knows. And your idea is to make the dogs pettable and approachable, and yet they're still doing their job. You have yellow and black labs, and you also – is I think you're, you're – Jack, it looks like a Jack Russell Terrier on the Sherlock Hounds Detection Canines website, um, was also a worker. How did you yeah. teach the dogs to stay focused on their job and yet be friendly to a kid who has a peanut butter sandwich in his backpack? But what if there's also <laughs> dad's gun? Yeah, so that's those are several factors come into that. One is we, we thoroughly test the dogs out when, and most of them have come from rescues and we thoroughly test them out just that they're going to be really friendly, that uh, they don't mind anyone petting them because you're right. We do have a different perspective. We believe we are there in a school for a very small percentage of the students and that on any given day, 98% of them are making really good choices. Yes. We're there for, mm-hmm. you know, that one to 2%. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted the 98% to be able to enjoy the dogs. So I always tell the kids, you can pet them, but you have to ask first. And it's a teaching opportunity to let them know that this is unusual. Most working dogs, you cannot go pet. You would always ask someone before you petted a dog. So it's it's fun, too, because you get to teach the, the kids the proper yes. sort of dog etiquette, you know, which is great. And then we, we work with the dogs on, we, we train, you know, almost every day so that they know the odors they're supposed to find. And if we feel like, oh, are they interested, say, in, um, oh, I had an incident where I thought, are they alerting on something or is it beef jerky? <laughs> so then I go out and I buy beef jerky because they're oh, labs, they love their food. Right. And I'll, I'll go ahead at home and I'll hide it and make sure they're not alerting on that. And I can honestly say, having gone through that, the dogs have never alerted on food. I've never had an instance where they've done that. And, and the, the, the odor of food, even a tuna fish sandwich, I'm trying to think of something that would be more potent smelling, does not yeah. mask the odor of what they need to sniff for? No, they're so amazing. The best analogy I can think of is if we walk in a pizza parlor, we're just going to take a big sniff and go, oh, pizza. Dogs are going to walk in. Yeah, makes you hungry, huh? Dogs are going to walk in and they're going to say, they're going to sniff and they're going to be able to say, oh, that's pepperoni and that's cheese. Right. They can sniff out all the different right. layers, including right. down to the ingredients of like the dough. So it doesn't matter to them. There's really no way to hide anything. Uh, the good old put the drugs in the coffee. Yes, sniff. yes. What about I mean, that? Is that work. doesn't work? does not work um you know when you're running through water say you have a tracking dog coming after you running through water doesn't work they'll still catch the scent so they're really amazing at what they can do we've had the dogs when we check vehicles you know they alert on the vehicle and we'll find something in a backpack in a lunchbox no kidding in a vehicle yeah 
Wow. So give us an idea of what the one or 2% do have on their person or in their belongings. What are the kinds of things? Is it, I mean, is it only certain kinds of drugs? Is it marijuana or is it also every version of cocaine and fentanyl and opioids and everything, anything? You know, luckily we, we haven't found a lot of like opiates. We have found some. Uh, we're very lucky we've never run across the fentanyl. We, I carry Narcan for both myself and the dogs just in case we ever run wow. into that because unfortunately it is becoming a bigger issue. Um, we usually find, I'd say the majority of it, knowing that we're in Colorado where marijuana is legal and we still train our dogs to find marijuana because we're, it's not legal on school grounds, so we can still do that. Right. And so I'd say marijuana products are big, alcohol is probably right up there with it. And then vaping has really become a big issue. And there's actually some alcohol in vape pens and vape juice. So the dogs will alert and find those as well. Wow. So the, the, yeah. the American basketball player, but she played for Russia, who had cannabis yeah. oil in a vaping pen in her suitcase, your dogs could have smelled that through the suitcase? Oh, definitely. Very easily. Very easily. Walk in the park for them. That's kind of yes. amazing. What about alcohol? What if the person, the kid, the student, God forbid the teacher, um, has a, a <laughs> bottle of alcohol in their locker or their desk drawer or something? If it's not been opened, it has to have been opened, right, to have any odor? No, it's amazing. It does not have to what? have been opened. In fact, yeah, no, it can be closed. Um, it and the dogs can still find it. In fact, we had a a vehicle at the end of this school year that my black lab boomer alerted on and inside was unopened uh, beer cans and an unopened whiskey shooter. Wow. That's uh, so, you know, everyone be aware there is no fooling these dogs, but then one has to say, well, you know, you've got two or three dogs and you're in this area of Colorado can you not spread this idea? Can Or is there just no funding or understanding of its value or need in other places? I would love to spread the idea and, and encourage anyone to start a program like this. It, the funding is the hardest part. We are grant funded. We're extremely lucky to have that grant and we're really grateful for it. So we can provide the funding to the schools. So any school who wants us can, can wow. have us come. And, yeah. And I mean, within a certain limit, of course. Geographically. (laughs) Yeah, I wish we could fund every school across the United States to have something like this. Um, But unfortunately, with the reality of school funding, it's probably something that it's hard to get. So what about the lucky that we can provide? It is lucky. And you're finding drugs and alcohol. I mean, it's not that that you're that you're having a lot of days with no no alerts is that right or or like in a five-day week in school do you have five days without an alert we can it fluctuates it really fluctuates um you know it's funny i don't know why but it seems like when the kids decide to bring stuff it's like they all do it together i'll go to one school and find something and then another school i I truly believe the full moon (laughs) Well, what about social media? I mean, the full moon used to be the thing that was a predictor of of crazy behavior. Yeah. But uh, the social social media platforms are definitely creators and perpetrators of crazy behavior. So I guess all you have to yeah. say is bring your 
bring your own bottles, see you out in the woods after school, and everybody could do right. that. So let's get to the even more deadly, although, of course, kids die of drug and alcohol overdoses, but the more deadly gunpowder issue. It, does any gun that has a bullet in it or a rifle that has a bullet in it, does it have an odor? Just the, the in, I'm, I'm thinking if the dog can smell alcohol through an unopened can or bottle, he can certainly smell gunpowder in a bullet that hasn't been fired. Yes. Now, we do train on scent cartridges, which changes the odor slightly. But that being said, we have found ammunition that hasn't been fired yet. So they seem to do well on that. Um, we work a lot of towns, you know, before everyone worries too much. We work a lot of towns where they're, they're farming communities. The kids will go hunting. And sometimes what they'll do is they'll get done hunting and they'll take their scent cartridges and throw it in their truck and then go home and put their, leave their weapon where it's supposed to be and then go to school, but they don't take those scent cartridges out. So sometimes it's as simple as just finding that. And, you know, the biggest concern there is just that they don't have a weapon on school grounds, right. obviously. Right. And it gives um, you a, like another, another teachable moment. When you put it away at home, was it exactly. locked? Are there any other children at home? Is it in a gun case exactly. or whatever the questions are that that for safety in a state that that is a a, a hunting state or a state like I live, Vermont, yeah. where anyone can have a gun anywhere, anytime, which is kind of a daunting idea because you think, oh, it's only Texas, you know, where there are right. people that shoot their guns a lot at, at each other compared to a Vermont where they seem to only shoot them at deer and only in the couple of weeks they're allowed to or they go to a right. shooting range. But it's complicated. For those states where guns are anathema and someone who would have any as a pariah, it's complicated for the states where guns have been a part of life forever, not gun, yeah. not handguns to, you know, mug each other on the street like in cities, but where it's a part of normal life, whether it's to shoot coyotes because your sheep are in danger and your dog fell asleep on the job or something. I mean, it's, it's complicated. There are obviously reasons why it's part of some parts of our culture and then when it morphs into the school or into an urban area how much that changes it what do your dogs do yeah. when and if you're out with them somewhere that isn't school and they don't have their working vest or harness on do they still alert on stuff you know it's funny it'll depend on the dog uh my female labs they're they're funny they, they're smart enough to know uh, she doesn't have her toy on like i they're play trained so when they find something oh. they get to play oh. and so they they live for that toy and they know when i have the toy on my person like in my fanny pack or if i don't and they're like no well, kidding. she doesn't have the toy so you can tell they're like oh there's something there but we're off duty so we're not gonna well you know that's it. good in a way because i think one of yeah. the things that's always concerned me about working dogs of any kind is to be on alert like a, a like a, an emotional support dog for PTSD. They're really never yeah. off duty. And the stress of that has to be considered. I mean, it's or a yeah. guide dog for and visually impaired. They have to have time off because they have to, like any of us working 24 seven. You know, you can't do it if you're a pilot or or a flight crew or a, exactly. or anybody you know a nurse whomever <laughs> a driver so i think that's really good that they can sometimes just say oh well i guess that's just somebody somebody's recreational drugs and they're allowed or they don't think about yeah. it yeah it's good that their brain can go sort of on pause when you wrote chasing justice did you consider putting the dog and the the mystery and the thriller 
in a school setting or did you just think, you know what, I'm not going there. It's just too disturbing. Yeah, I decided not to go there. I, I When I first decided I was going to write a mystery with a canine, I did think of that. I I have an idea. As you mentioned, I have a Russell Terrier. He's yes. almost 15 now. He's retired. I called him my undercover agent when he worked for us. He was an amazing drug dog. And I think someday I would love to write a series for kids. Oh, that would be great. As the, yeah, that would be great. For that. that would be great. So, That's when, yeah. when you get finished writing the next of your thrillers, your canine thrillers, because you have a contract. You have to write something to fa- to follow chasing justice right i do well i mean that's <laughs> exactly. good for all of us cuz they're wonderful books and and i will say that i recently was sent a novel by someone who's written many many books but in very many categories romances and i don't know uh, lots of books and so i was sent this book and it had a, a dog that was supposed to be part of some accidental detection situation and there was just so many facts that were shoehorned in about veterinarians and medical things. And I thought, this person has just Googled it, which isn't a bad thing, yeah. but it wasn't authentic. And I just want to say about your your intimate knowledge of dogs and how they work with people and how they communicate with people, the bond and also the work the work itself is so authentic and genuine. And it's I, I really think what makes makes your work stand out. And I'm looking forward to having the next Kathleen Donnelly novel come down the pike. And in the meantime, people can read Chasing Justice and know that this woman knows her stuff. This is this is her day job. Her night job is writing wonderful <laughs> books. Kathleen, thanks for being here. And thanks for the wonderful idea you had of creating Sherlock Hounds Detection Canines. It's wonderful for the schools, the kids, and uh, as an example to all of us of how to do something proactively to keep us safe and healthy. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. There are a few more very special companies that make this show possible, and I hope you will support their support of my mission to entertain and educate. Merrick Pet Care, which began as a family-run company in Texas 30 years ago, is still making natural pet food I feed my own dogs. They also provide nutrition to pet shelters in Chicago and Texas and free food for the service dogs for veterans from Canines for Warriors. Cradle which makes CBD calming products to reduce stress for dogs using broad-spectrum CBD from U.S.-grown hemp formulated with a proprietary blend of nutraceutical ingredients. My Wanda Weimaraner couldn't get through thunderstorms without their cradle melts. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition and makes innovative foods like the hybrid dog food, Wisdom, which sometimes is all that Maisie Hotchner will eat. Evermore Pet Food, which is privately owned by two extraordinary women who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It's higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this shorter version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.